0: Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Genesis 19. Genesis 19. Of course, we're continuing our study of the book of Genesis, and we're seeing the destruction of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And we know why. We I mean, we, a couple of weeks ago when we looked at the passage and we saw what was going on in the city and uh, the homosexuality and all the different things that were happening and how they treated the, those angels. They didn't know they were angels. They just thought they were regular people. And we just all of those kind of things. This Eden's passage is a hard one. It's always because we see God's judgment. We see the deliverance of Lot and his family, but we'll also see the influence of the world in their lives. There are several issues I want you to think about. One <clears throat> one is uh, we see God's protection and deliverance of Lot. It's pretty powerful. We see also the judgment of sin, and then we see the influence of the world on Lot and his family. Those three things stand out. I mean, God's protection and deliverance of Lot. He didn't have to take him out of there. didn't have to because God said that there's ten... Righteous people, I will not destroy the city. There weren't ten righteous people there. We saw the judgment of sin, or really judgment on sin, and then the influence of the world on Lot and his family. So there's some some powerful things there. There's a lot in this passage. As we study, we see a danger, and that is a danger of being conformed to this world rather than being transformed by the word let's we'll think about it as we go through let's start with a prayer and then we'll we'll get into the passage Let's pray heavenly Father, what a great night. thank you again for each one this year. What a fun time we have. Thank you for the songs and just the 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 privilege to lift up our voices and praise to you, Lord, we just ask you as we look at a very hard passage just because it's so there's so much bad things in here, Lord, and some of the things we don't even want to think about or even think that happen. But, Lord, we know that they do, and they did, and so we just ask you to teach us now. Help us to see things that we can uh, gain as we study the the Word of God. Help us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the world, as a whole, when when the Christians, when we think about the world, it always almost always means something bad for us. I mean, we think about the world, we say it's the fallen, evil, sinful world. The problem is the world pulls us. It attracts us. It attracts our flesh. The world seeks to conform us and pull us and shape us. This evening we're going to see Lot, and and we get a good view of a person, the one who had been shaped by the world. Now, this person's a believer. He's called righteous Lot in the Scripture, and yet he is shaped by the world. His entire family is affected. But by the grace of God, he is delivered before the judgment. As we study this passage, we're going to see uh, why John wrote in First uh, John, Love not the world or the things of the world, because it sure will shape us. The truth is, you, you can uh, take Lot out of Sodom, but you can't take Sodom out of Lot. And it's there. Let me, let's get a brief review. Here's sort of the outline. If you remember, the angels arrived. We saw that in verses 1 through 11. Lot opens his home. We saw the wickedness of the city. We saw, are we going to see in this section, a lot depart, so the angels warn them, and then actually drag them out of the city, and we'll start about, about verse 16, 15, 16, 17. We'll get right in there as we get rolling into it. We saw about the first 16 verses last time. And then we see the destruction of Sodom, the fire and brimstone. I happened to bring a piece of brimstone that when I was in Israel in 1976, we went to the place where people say maybe there was Sodom and Gomorrah in this region south of the Dead Sea and there's nothing growing there and it's just a mess and all these rocks are all over the place and and they're called brimstone and people look at them and they'll say, well, it looks like some kind of volcanic rock or something uh, and yet there's no volcano or anything around there. People say, where in the world could these things have come from? I think we know where they came from. Anyway, so, and then the fourth part is we see the sin of Lot's daughters. The truth is, that's not even fun to read, more or less teach, but we'll, we'll deal with it very quickly. For the last, we saw last time that it was time for the judgment. The angels had come with a two-fold plan, and that was this. Number one, they were going to deliver Lot and his family, and number two, they were going to bring judgment on the city. And last time we saw the warning to Lot and his family to get out and to flee, and the, and the next morning the destruction would come, and we saw them the influence of, uh, basically, uh, the influence on Lot and his family. He, when he went to his, his uh, uh, th- those men that were engaged to his daughters, we don't know whether they were already married in some kind of way or something, but anyway, he went to those sons-in-laws, the ones who were going to be his sons-in-laws, and when he told them they got to get out because God was going to destroy the city, they they thought he was making a joke. They sort of laughed at him. The people of the city had rejected him, and 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 the truth is, it was hard for him to leave. You would think that if an angel of the Lord said to you, you better get out of this town, it's we're going to destroy this whole place, you'd go, "Really? I don't I don't are you sure? I don't know if I really want to leave. I mean, there's some good stuff going on. Bingos on Tuesday night. There's all kinds of stuff going on. I don't want to leave." We see the next morning the angels actually had to take them by the hand to lead them out. Look at verse 16. Now let me just go back to verse 15. When the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away in the punishment of the city. He said, Get out, get out, get out, get out. But he hesitated. Hesitated. Why would he hesitate? He hesitated, so the men seized his hand and the hand of his wife and the hands of his two daughters for the compassion of the Lord was upon him and they brought him out and put him outside the city. He hesitated. The world has such a powerful pull on us. We all know that you trust Jesus Christ as Savior. You're born again. You're a new creation of Christ. There's that part of you which is born again that cannot sin and you're created in the image of God in that sense and you've been born again and, and yet there's still a part of you which is the flesh, which is the natural bent to sin, the part that loves the world. And the world has such a powerful pull, and we should not be surprised that people get caught up in the world and stay in it. There there are a lot of Christians who look just like unbelievers, and some people want to say, well, they're not really a Christian. If they're really a Christian, they'd live like a Christian. Well, we have the natural bent to sin, and we're all capable of any sin, and we're capable of living in the world. And Lot's a perfect example of a man who is a believer and who is righteous, who has been justified by faith, and yet... He looks just like the world, lives like the world. He wanted to tarry. It says he hesitated. They wanted to tarry. And and, and it's almost like he said, Well, gee, I don't I don't know. And they had to take him by the hand. They had to lead them out. They said, Here, give me your hand. We're taking you out of the city. They had to take him out. They had to literally lead him out of the city. Why? Because of the pull of the world. God desired that they would be saved from the judgment. And God desires that we would be saved from the coming judgment. It is God who so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He does not want any human being to perish. He does not want any human being to be separated from Him forever. He does not want that. That's why in His love and grace and mercy He sent Jesus Christ to die for us and to provide a way that we can escape from the judgment, the separation of God. It is God's mercy and love and compassion and grace. And the plan, of course, is to remove... God's plan is to remove believers before the judgment comes. We see... The power and the pull of the world. Look what it does. It cha- changes us. It shapes us. We lose our influence for Christ. Think about it. It changes us. It does. The world changes us. We begin to think like the world. It shapes us. That's why the Bible says, be not conformed to this world. The word conform means to be shaped into a mole. We lose our influence for Christ. What, what happened to, to Lot? And he went and talked to his, the sons-in-laws and they laughed at him. They thought he was joking. I mean, eh, it's nothing. Remember the aspects of the world. Think about this. Go to the next slide. Three aspects that the influence of the world: the position, the pleasure, and the possessions. First of all, the position in the world. We want power. The world offers power. The world offers power. There's authority in the world. Say so you ought to do this. You can be in this place of responsibility. You can do this. You can do this. But there's pleasures of the world as well. The world. Uh, we want to fulfill our desires because the flesh is controlled in a in a fallen world system. The devil controls the world system. The World system affects the flesh. But the third thing is the possessions. I mean, there's a material world and the material things, and, and, and we miss oftentimes the eternal because we try to hang on to the temporal. It's amazing. God's desire is to deliver Lot. He's a righteous man. Righteousness comes by faith, and his desire is to deliver him out. The angels warn him. The angels say, get out. They have to pull him out. The angels got them out. Now look at the instructions. When they had brought them outside, verse 17, when they brought them outside, one said, Escape for your life. Do not look behind you. Do not stay anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains or you will be swept away. That was instructions. Run for your life. Don't look back. Don't stay in the valley. You'll be killed. Everything's going to be burned up here. It's just going to be a great destruction. You would think that he would be saying, Let's run. And they're all running like this. That's what you think. And you'd think he'd be running to the mountains. What does he say? But Lot said to them, Oh, no, my lords. I want to say, Lot, would you shut up and just get out of here? What are you talking about? What are you saying? Oh, no, my lords. What are you saying? Now, behold, your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have magnified your loving kindness, which you have shown me by saving my life. But I cannot escape to the mountains, for the disaster will overtake me, and I will die. Saturday Night Live years ago had a, had a little skit called The Whiners. And no matter where, they wind on everything. And that sounds like a lot here. I can't escape. I'll get messed up in the mountains. Don't, I don't want to go to the mountains. You know, you, if you're one of those things, you just kind of slap him around a little bit and say, get out of here. What do you think you're doing? He says, your servant has found favor in your sight. The word favor there is the word grace. It's a key word. There's more. You have found favor in your sight, and you have magnified your loving kindness. Most of your Bibles translate it loving kindness. It's the the Hebrew word hesed, H-E-S-E-D. It is the most important word in the Old Testament. It means a loyal love, an unchanging love. It is God's love that is based on His grace and His mercy. And it says, you have shown, you have magnified your loving kindness, your hesed, your loyal love. It never changes. He says, I found favor in your sight, and you've you've continued to just increase this loyal love that you have, which you have shown to me by saving my life. See, it's all the grace and love of God. The salvation of man is based on God's grace and love. By grace, we've been saved through faith. Why does God save us? Because God so loved the world. You must realize the grace and the love of God. That's how he deals with us. People think God is up there looking for you to make a mistake. He's looking for you to, so you can, He can squash you and He can say, you know, you just, you get out of line just one little bit. How long do you think Sodom and Gomorrah were living the way they were before God judged them? You think He gave them a week? Hmm, y'all been looking bad for about a week. I think it's all over. You think that's the way He dealt with them? God is a God of patience and grace and mercy. And how does He deal with us? With love and kindness and grace. That's how God deals with mankind. Notice his request. I'm afraid to go to the mountains. I might die there. He says, I can't escape to the mountains for the disaster will overtake me and I will die. You know, we could almost say to him, what are you talking about? I mean, he's telling you to get out of the city, get out of the valley, because they're fixing to destroy that whole area. And you're saying, I can't get to the mountains. And then he comes up with his own little plan. Behold, this town is near enough to flee to, and it's a small town. Please let me escape there. Is it not small that my life may be saved? Now, he says there's this little place that I'd like to run to. Now, I don't know why he picked this little place out. It could be that he had known about this town. Maybe he had visited this little town before. The name of the town is Zor, Z-O-A-R. It means small. That's what it means. So it's called small town. So if you said, I'd like to go to small, I'd like to go to Zor. Small town, little place. He says, there's this town that's near enough. I'd like to get to it. Let me escape there. It's not, isn't it small? It's a small little place that my life may be saved. Now, let me ask you something. If he goes to Zor and stays there and they don't destroy it, should Zor have been destroyed? It's in that area. Should it have been destroyed? Why? If he gets there and God says, okay, we'll let you do that, the people of Zor have who to thank for their lives. Lot, a righteous person can have an amazing influence. Now, Lot's life is not influencing them because he's making it happen. It's just the grace of God in these people's lives. He said, Now the town is small enough to flee, and it's, it, it's small. Please let me escape there. Is it not small that my life may be saved? Notice, he said to him, now that's the angel saying to him, Behold, I grant you this request also, not to overthrow the, overthrow the town of which you have spoken. They agreed not to destroy the town. To me, that is that's, that is grace all the way. And I mean, here's God is going to destroy that whole region. He's telling Lot and he's saving Lot's life, not because Lot, because of who? You remember? Abraham. Remember Abraham started with 50 and 40 and 30 and 20, got all the way down to 10 and said, Please don't toward the city if you can find 10 righteous guys. Truth is, there weren't 10 righteous people there. He's going to destroy the city anyway, but in the grace of God, he's going to deliver Abraham's nephew Lot and get him out. And he had to do that. And what grace that Lot, who doesn't even want to go, he doesn't even want to go. You ever talk to somebody and you know that the things that they're into are destroying them, and they don't want to stop? You've seen it, right, in your life? You know people that things are going on, and you see what they're doing. And, and we're talking about Christians. Let's say it's a Christian, and they're involved in things, and you know it's not good for them. In fact, it's terrible. And you say to them, you've got to get control of this, man. We've got to help you. And they don't want to stop, and they don't want to get out of it. <clears throat> God is saying to Lot, get out now. I'm saving your life. And not only does he do that, when Lot says, I don't want to go to the mountains, I want to go to a little place. Okay, 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 go to the little place. I'll say that as well. Verse 22, hurry. Escape there, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Therefore, the name of that town was called Zor, which means small. Grace and mercy. God will not bring judgment on the world until he has removed the believers. What's the next event? Here we are. We're, who are the believers now? It's the body of Christ, right? we trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior. Whether you're Jew or a Gentile, you believe in Jesus Christ, you're placed in the body of Christ. What's the next event that's going to happen? The rapture. What happens in the rapture? Jesus Christ comes in the clouds, and who leaves the face of the earth? The believers. What follows that? The greatest judgment on the face of the earth that's ever been or ever will be. That's how he describes it. God will not bring the judgment until he removes the believers. That's why people always talking about the tribulation, the end times, and the rapture. And I've heard people say, I hope I don't go through the tribulation. I said, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you will not go through the tribulation. You'll be taken off the face of the earth. God in his grace will deliver the church from the coming judgment. God will deliver us. <clears throat> we'll watch what happened. Verse 23. The sun had risen over the earth when Lot came to Zor. You know, what What the people of Zor do not know, they do not realize. That when that man came to their city, it saved every one of their lives. They didn't know it. Did you know that it's possible that your influence with a group of people can save their lives? You can tell them about Jesus Christ. There may be people that you know that do not know Christ as Savior. And if they die... They would be separated from God forever. But God would use you to tell them about Christ. And you could save their lives in that sense. Now, I want, to, I want to help you understand something. Sometimes you'll see in the Scripture where it'll say, save a soul. Save a soul does not mean save you eternally. It means save you physically. So when you see a passage and it talks about, and it saved a soul, it's not talking about eternal life salvation. It's talking about a physical deliverance. The sun had risen over the earth when Lot came to Zor. <clears throat> wow. What happens? He gave him time to escape. Verse 24. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven, and he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the city and what grew on the ground. They destroyed the ground. He destroyed all the, the plants. There's not plants there. When, when we went there, we, got, we were in a... a a bus and they take us in a little area and they said, We're going to go south of the Dead Sea. We went, we went, uh, to the northern, about the middle part of the Dead Sea, which is a place called En Gedi. And that's where David hid in the, in the rocks and the caves when he was running from Saul. And so we had spaghetti at En Gedi. And then we, uh, left, and we did. And then we left and we got in a bus and we went down to the southern part of the Dead Sea and we got to a region. I wish we had, we don't have the map, but that's okay. Uh, and, and there's an area there that is just like, it's barren. It's just nothing there. And all these rocks, they're all over the ground there. They let us get out and get some. You know, you can get some. And they're just all over the ground. And people talk about what happened here because over in other areas, it's like grass and and things. But but here, there's nothing. And they say, well, that's best that we can tell. That's where those cities were in that plain. It used to be the well-watered plain. But it's not well-watered anymore. And it's it's, and so what does it say? The Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. He overthrew those cities, all the valley, and all the inhabited city. And what grew on the ground? He just barren, wiped it out. It's the same today. This is not what he saw. When he and Abraham were there, and Abraham said to him, You choose. You go to the right, and I'll go to the left. You go to the left, I'll go to the right. He looked and saw the well-watered plains of the Jordan. That's what it looked like. And those cities were there. Now, I guarantee you, he knew already the reputation of those cities when he went to live there. But he thought this would be a better deal. See, the things of the world, they, they can't satisfy. What he should have done in those days, he should have said to Abraham, Abraham, you're my uncle, You're the man of God. You tell me. You are the leader. I submit to your authority. You tell me where to go or what to do. But he didn't. Jude verse 7 shows that this judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah is an an example of the coming judgment on the world. Something happened. Verse 26. But... But his wife from behind him looked. It literally says looked. It doesn't say look back. My Bible puts back in italics. I don't know if your Bible does. But it says his wife looked uh, from behind looked, and she became a pillar of salt. Isn't that weird? Don't you think that's weird? Just a little bit? I mean, isn't there some things in the Bible that you go, pillar of salt? I mean, she went, right? I mean, there she is. Do you think she was running and she just happened to glance back and became a pillar of salt? No. The word looked means to gaze longingly. She didn't want to leave. As they're leaving, she's not running with them. She's looking back like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. That's my place. I like it there. That's what she's doing. Remember what the angel said to him in verse 17? Escape for your life. Don't look behind you. It didn't mean don't just glance back. It means don't want to go back there. And that's what she wanted to do. And she became a pillar of salt. She's really a picture of those who can't break from the world and don't break from the world. Believers can get so caught up in the world that they can never have an impact for Jesus Christ. It's easy to keep looking back to the world. It's easy to do that. God shows us Abraham. Remember, he is the one who interceded for these people. If there were just ten believers in the city, they would be saved. But there wasn't even ten. In fact, how many believers do you think were in that city? Who do you think were believers? Do you think Lot was a believer? Yeah. What about Lot's wife? We don't. We can't. We don't know. But she sure didn't want to leave. What about his daughters? We don't know. Huh? There wasn't ten. That's all we know for sure. We don't know. They didn't make it. How many made it out? Three. Did they go to what? If they were not believers and the righteousness comes by faith and so the point was were there any believers in that city? And he said if I could get if God said if I could find 10 righteous people believers in that city I will not destroy the city. Apparently they weren't 10 and so when they were destroyed those who were not believers are going to be separated from God forever exactly. Yeah. We don't well did she make it out? We only said three got out. I mean she got pulled out of the city but she didn't get very far. <laughs> Best we can tell. Unless he's got this filler of salt that he's carrying on. Excuse me, excuse me. Anybody need any salt? I got a deal on salt today. I got a great deal on salt. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. I shouldn't have done that. But anyway, that's a true story. But you know, you never know what happened. <laughs> well, me. Okay, what happened to Abraham? Now, let's think about Abraham. It said, Now, Abraham arose early in the morning, went out. To the place where he had stood before the Lord. I wonder why he got up early in the morning to go out there and look. Because remember, he was walking with the Lord, and they were walking out towards Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Lord looked down there and pointed it out, and he looked down there. Why do you think he got up in the morning to go look? Find that he wanted to find out what happened. Why does he care? Huh? Well, he had his brother, he had his nephew there, didn't he? So he just wants, you know. And you know, you remember earlier that Abraham had saved all these people's lives. You remember when those kings came down and took Lot, and all and the, the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah and took all their people away, and Abraham with his 318 men and, and Mamre's and his brothers, and they all went and fought and took everything and brought them back? You remember that. So Abraham knows these people. He knows what kind of people they are. He's already delivered them once. He actually tried to deliver them twice. If you get it down to ten, it wasn't even ten. So he wants to go and see what happens to his, to his nephew. And so Abraham rose early in the morning and went down to the place where he had stood before the Lord. And he looked down to, toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the valley. And he saw and behold, the smoke of the land ascended like the smoke of a furnace. What did he see? A big pillar of smoke rising up. You know, sometimes when there's a fire and it's kind of far away, but you look and you go, oh, man, look, there's something burning over there because you can see the smoke going up. That's what he saw. Let me ask you a question. Does he know whether the lot got out or not at this stage? All he knows is what? city's destroyed. He doesn't know. He didn't know. Look at the next verse. Thus it came about that when God destroyed the cities of the valley, that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out from the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot lived. God remembered Abraham in his prayer. God delivered Lot. He sent him out to save him. If we can put that slide up, that's not exactly the one, but... God will use you to be His instrument to deliver others from the coming judgment. We talk to people, we see people every day who do not know Jesus Christ is Savior. I, I don't know, for some reason, we, got, we, we, we get in our lives, and we're Christians, we know Christ is Savior, we're going to heaven, we're memorizing verses, we know the Bible, we come to church. And for some reason, we don't have a desire, a burning desire, To share our faith. I mean, because we got us. We got us. Aren't we okay? We're okay. We like each other. We have fellowship suppers and everything. But what about the people every day we come in contact with? There's not within us, it seems to me as a whole, there's not within us a burning desire to make sure the people around us know Christ as Savior. If there was, wouldn't there be a lot more people you'd be bringing, we'd all be bringing and saying, this is Joe, he just trusted Christ last week. I told him him to come to church because he needed to start, you know, coming to church and growing as a Christian. Wouldn't it be like more and more and more people they would all be bringing if we were sharing our faith and people were coming to know Christ? You know the statistic, I, t- I talked about this in one of my Sunday school classes, I believe, but one of the statistics is about 90, 80, 85 to 90% of all Christians go through their whole life and never once lead one person to Christ in their whole lives. Now, about 85 to 90% of all Christians, let's say it this way, 8 out of every 10 Christians never lead anybody to Christ in their whole life. I wonder why. They don't know the message? What's the deal? Why don't we decide tonight that we're going to start looking for the opportunities. And we're going to lead people to Christ. We're going to talk to them. We're going to tell them about Jesus. We're going to tell them the greatest message of all. So what if they say, I don't like you? Okay. That's the best I can do. Sorry. It's the best I can do. Because you're if if you if I don't tell you, and uh, it's whether you believe or not is up to you, but if you don't believe, you're going to be separated from God forever so why don't we decide that we're going to try to make that a focus i know it's scary it's scary isn't it to talk to somebody and 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 we talked about this in my Sunday school class this morning but you know you you could say well what if i start talking to somebody and they ask me some question i don't know well if if the issue is salvation they can't ask you a question you don't know because you're telling them that jesus died on the cross paid for sin and rose again if they will believe in him they'll have eternal life I don't, if they get off about Jonah, if they get off about something, it doesn't matter. You can say, you know, that's not the issue right now. Let's get back to the message. Because, as I said this morning in Sunday school, the Holy Spirit is convicting the world of sin because they have not believed. That's the issue. The issue that the Holy Spirit is convicting unbelievers of is not whether the Bible is true or whether they stop smoking or whatever they're doing, all, whatever they think would be wrong. The issue that the Holy Spirit is convicting them of is that they have not believed in Jesus Christ as their Savior. So you stay on that issue. And I talked about this morning. If, if you only know John 3.16, you got it made. God loved the world. God gave Son. Whoever believes, eternal life. That's it. It's that simple. That's all there is to it. God, can you go back? God will use you. To be his instrument. To deliver others from the coming judgment. Just think about that. Think about the person who told you about Jesus Christ. Think back on your life. I'm 19 years old. I wandered in the Bible study and they shut the door and I couldn't get out. But I heard the truth. That's true. You know that. You've heard my testimony. Even though at that moment I didn't want to be there. Later on I said, I am so thankful that that man that night told me about Jesus Christ. Second thing. We have the message that says it is the death and the resurrection of Christ. We've got to share it. We have to share it. Well, I wish we didn't have to read the last part. I mean, I really do. We could skip it. I could just say, you read it for yourselves. You know, you've had teachers in class where they go, "Ah, well, I'll just read that for yourself. It'll be on the test. You know. But it's the Word of God. And we'll look at it. We'll look at it quickly. Because as we finish, we've already seen the terrible influence of the world on Lot and his family. I mean, think about it. Lot almost didn't want to leave. His his sons-in-laws didn't want to leave. His wife didn't want to leave. And I don't think his daughters wanted to leave. And you can tell they have been greatly influenced by the lifestyle in Sodom and Gomorrah. Look what happened. Lot went up from Zor and stayed in the mountains and his two daughters with him, for he was afraid to stay in Zor, and he stayed in the cave, he and his two daughters. Now, I want to ask you a question. Why was he afraid to stay in Zor? That's the place he wanted to go to. God said, go to the mountains. He said, I don't want to go to the mountains. I want to go to Zor. So he goes to Zor. Then he leaves Zor and says, I've got to go to the mountains. I don't want to stay in Zor. I want to say, can you not make up your mind what you want to do? Sometimes when people get so confused about life and so wrapped up in a fallen world, they don't know what to do with their lives. The firstborn said to the younger, "I hate this part. Our father's old. There's not a man on earth to come into us after the manner of the earth." She's saying, "Dad's old. There's no other men around. We, we, you know, all the men we liked are all burned up. Nothing's gonna ever be the same. They've been warped by the values of Sodom." And when you don't have the values of the Word of God, you'll go right after the values of the culture. And look what it says. Firstborn said, our father's old and there's not a man on earth to come in a, into us after the manner of earth. Come, let's make our father drink wine. Let us lie with him that he may preserve our family through our father. They have a plan. They want to get him drunk and have sex with him. So what happened? So they made the father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with him, with her father. He didn't know what uh, when she lay down or when she arose. The oldest did it first, then the youngest. On the following day, the firstborn said to the younger, Behold, I lay last night with father. Let us make, let us let him drink wine again tonight, that you may go in and lie with him, that we may preserve our family through our father. So they made their father drink wine that night also, and the younger arose and lay with him. And he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. I read a quote that said this: A man may do without reluctance when he's drunk, what he, when he was sober he would never even consider. That's a pretty bad passage, isn't it? So what happened? Thus, the daughters of Lot were with child by their father. That was their plan. So they want to have a, they want to have children. They want to go on with their families. They don't see that there's any men around. They're living in a cave. All the other men they know are crispy critters, right? (laughs) Nothing left. So what are we going to do? See, our world says, I've just got to take care of me. If I have to have sex with my father to have a child, I will do that. Where did they get those values? Got them from the world. They got them from Sodom. One of my favorite movies, not because... Biblically, but just because of the way the movie is. The Field of Dreams, Ray Kinsella, and he ends up seeing his dad. This is what it's all about. But uh, they build that baseball field right out in the middle of the cornfield in Iowa and all those players come from the past, and it's, it's pretty good. But they're getting to do something. All the guys are getting to do something, and Ray, who built the field, is not getting to do it. And he comes up to shoeless Joe Jackson. You've heard me say this quote before, but it's so true. He he comes up to him and says, They're getting to do this and I'm not getting to do this. Never once. I built this field and never once have I asked what's in it for me. Never once have I asked what's in it for me. Joe Jackson looks at him and says, So what's your point, Ray? And he goes, What's in it for me? That's what the world says. What's in it for me? And these girls say, You know what's in it for us? We'll, We'll do whatever it takes to get a baby. The firstborn son, the firstborn bore a son and called his name Moab. He's the father of the Moabites to this day. Whoa, you ever thought about that? You know that's where they came from? Did you ever know that? The Moabites came from Lot and his daughters. You know anybody who was a famous Moabite? Who's Ruth? Grandmother of who? Of David. It says this is. My mind would say you you don't know any of that's happening, but it says here he he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. So I just take the scripture for what it says. They had to. I don't know. He probably drank all the time anyway. What was what was it like in Sodom? You got to remember what this guy's come out of. What he's been living for these years. So the first one produced the Moabites. As for the younger, she also bore a son and called his name Ben-Ami. He is the father of the sons of Ammon, the Ammonites. They all became enemies of the Jewish people. I don't know if you realize that, but the Moabites and the Ammonites were enemies of the Jewish people. Offsprings of Abraham. Yes? I don't know where they got it. There may have been a wine store on the way as they were going. He said, I got some salt, I'll trade you for some wine. I mean, who knows? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Let's don't think about that anymore. Uh, Lot was a righteous man, but he loved the world and the things of the world. Now listen to this. His compromising lifestyle caused the wicked men of Sodom to want to kill him. We know that. His sons-in-laws laughed at him. The angels had to drag him out of the city. His wife looked back and died, and his daughters became pregnant with him. You can take Lot out of Sodom, but you can't take Sodom out of Lot. It's powerful. What a contrast between Abraham and Lot. Same background, both believers, both righteous by faith, but one man who obeyed God, the other a man of the world. Why? Here's the key. Why? Choices. The choices. The choices you make are going to affect you for the rest of your life. Every choice you make today has an influence and effect on tomorrow. We sometimes think it doesn't matter what we think. It doesn't matter what we put in our minds. It doesn't matter what we say, what we do. This won't hurt us. Well, it might, it's only going to affect us. It's not going to affect anybody else. Do you realize that what goes into your mind, what goes into your brain, what you do and the choices that you make are shaping you for the days to come. And you can see the choices Abraham made and the choices that Lot made and the outcome. What have we seen? Angels come to Sodom The plan to get Lot out, destroy the cities. Angels deliver Lot from these violent men. Lot, They, they tell Lot to get out. Lot goes and tells his, his uh, sons-in-laws and they laugh. Angel has to get them out. Judgment comes. The influence of the world. Lot's daughters and the whole pregnancies. It's just really a horrible passage. Now let me tell you. Uh, next week we've got some Easter things, but the week after that it doesn't get a lot better because we're going to see Abraham. He lies again, again. And we'll see what happened there. Let me give you some applications. First of all, realize that God deals with sin. He does. God judges sin. The wages of sin is death. The righteous, perfect God must deal with sin. We see it in Genesis chapter 6 of the flood. We're seeing it in Sodom and Gomorrah. In Genesis 19, God's going to deal with sin. And the person who does not believe in Jesus Christ as Savior will be separated from God forever. God deals with sin. Number two, realize God delivers the righteous before judgment. He removed Lot from Sodom, and He, God will remove believers, the body of Christ, before He brings the judgment on this earth. God always delivers the righteous from judgment. You know, when you stand before Jesus Christ, you'll never stand before Jesus Christ for your sin. Is that correct? What happened to your sin? It's been placed on Christ. When you stand before Jesus Christ, you'll be judged for your works, not your sin. He's delivered us before judgment and number three, realize the influence of the world. Oh, my gosh. Lot was influenced by Sodom, and you and I could be easily influenced by the culture of this world. Listen, a uh, the world will change you. It will. It's slow, but the world changes you. It warps your values, what you think. It will blur the right and wrong. because See, everybody else does this. Everybody does this, and you go, everybody does it. It's really not that... I mean it's not that big a deal because everybody does it. But it's wrong. But after a while you say well, it's not really it's not really, really wrong because everybody else does it too. What happened to Lot? I've been saying this statement uh in Sunday morning and then even in these places. If we're not consciously being transformed by the Word of God, we will unconsciously be conformed to this world. It's happening as we speak, if you are not on purpose deciding that you're going to be transformed by the Word of God in your life, if you're not on purpose planning that, you're unconsciously being shaped by this world. B, not only will the world change you, but we can lose our influence for Jesus Christ. When you live like the rest of the world, the world won't believe your message. If you want to reach the world, you've got to live differently than the world. If you're just like them, what do they care We saw what happened to Lot and his family. For men in this room, our entire families are going to be affected by our level of spirituality. Our growth or lack of growth will have a bearing on our wife and our children, on their growth and lack of growth. You realize that? Why do you think he put and said, man... You be the head. Wives, submit. Children, come under that authority. Fathers, train your children. Why, why does He say the men? Because you have the influence. Do we want to have an influence for Jesus Christ or do we want to have an influence for this world because we're influenced by this world? We must consciously be transformed by the Word of God. We see the influence of the world. It will conform us. It's contrary to the God's Word. We must not love the world, but we must live according to God's Word, knowing that judgment is coming, and the only escape is in Jesus Christ, our Savior. Let's pray. We'll open up for any questions. Heavenly Father, what a great passage. Uh, it's a hard passage, but Lord, it's truth. The world is there. It's pulling us all the time. And Lord, we want to live for you. We want to live righteously and godly. Lord, we know you deal with sin. Because the wages of sin is death, and, and anyone who does not believe in Jesus Christ will be separated. So, Lord, we want to tell that message. Lord, we realize that you deliver righteous bef- the righteous before the judgment. And we know that in the next event, before you judge this world in what we call the tribulation, you're going to take us out. And, Lord, thank you that we will never stand before you in a judgment for sin, but uh, because you have delivered us from that. Lord, thank you. Uh, we realize that... Uh, The influence of the world, it'll change us. It changes us slowly. Sometimes we can't even tell it's happening. But, Lord, we know we must consciously decide that we will be transformed by the Word of God. Lord, we do not want to lose our influence for You. We want to stand for You and hear You say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thank You, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Questions, comments, anything? Yeah, Bill. (laughs) You would think. I got all these troubles. I'm going to go run back to my my relatives. Some people do when they turn away from the Lord. They don't want to be around Christians. There's no doubt yeah best we can tell he, we don't see him hooking back up together and being because we're going to see Abraham he goes actually a different place. Abraham leaves and goes down a little further south and he gets with Abimelech, which is the king, which is one of the kings, and gets himself in trouble. but we don't see lot y- you would think lot might say, okay, could I just could I go back to where Abraham is and live with him and say you know I messed my life up it's just been a it's been a drag, and so i want I want to maybe live with you, Abraham, and I want to learn from you and and never happens best we can tell. And um, it was pretty sad. Sometimes when people not only um, get get conformed to the world and get all messed up, but they never really they never really get going again. Even even when God's very gracious to them. Yeah. I, I gosh, it's been a long time. It looked like it was. Just some miles. You could look for some miles in either direction and see it. That three to four miles that section. We don't know how big the cities were. Uh, Zor we know is a little bitty city because that's what the name means. But the others we don't know. So, uh, but uh, I mean it's a it's a it's a it's a big area that looks just barren. It looks like nothing's ever really ever grown here. No, it's never been a very good area to live. But we know at one time it was. Yeah. Yes. Thats a great I don't know if you can hear him, but he basically said, you know if you go back to the 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 flood and 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 this event it's it's a picture of God delivering people, but in both situations when God delivered Noah, he got drunk right after that. And here God delivers Lot. He get drunk right after that. Is there any, like big pictures? What you're asking? I don't see a big picture. What I do see is the overall picture is that God delivers people from wrath, the believers from wrath. Noah and his family, Lot and his family, best we could tell. But we, we don't. I don't. I don't really know. I don't see that. Um, the next event, of course, the very next big event would be God delivering us, taking us off the face of the earth to be with Him, and then bringing judgment on the world. Okay. Yes. The question, yeah, I'm going to repeat the question. He said, Why do the Moabites and the Ammonites hate the Jews? And are the Jews the chosen people? Is that still sort of true? And why do they hate them? It is true that God chose Abraham, and from Abraham to Isaac, and Isaac to Jacob, and Jacob to Judah, and on down. These are his chosen people. They'll always be his people. There's always been conflict over that land. And God gave the Moabites a certain part of land and the Ammonites a certain part of land. And when the nation of Israel came out of Egypt to come back and take the promised land back, God would not give them the Moabite land or the Ammonite land. He didn't give it to them. He made them go around it. Now, he gave them some other land, uh, Sihon, king of Heshbon, and that he gave that to them. They defeated them and then crossed over. But he never gave them, at that stage, the land of the Moabites and the Ammonites. And basically, it's because there's really a connection there with the Jewish people. Later on, David took over the Ammonites and the Moabites. In fact, the Moabites became uh, friends because his, basically his grandmother was a Moabite, and when he was running from Saul, he took his family, and they lived with the king of Moab. So all kind of different things like that. But uh, the Jewish people are always going to be God's chosen people. And uh, when we say hatred, I said they became enemies. Not enemies in the sense that they just hated them, but they always fought over land. They always fought over different things. And the Moabites and the Ammonites had false gods, worshipped, Things and God said, stay away from them and don't deal with that. Okay. Okay, let me, let me get this question and then this one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when did Lot put two and two together about the pregnant daughters? I don't know because he could have thought maybe they became pregnant by some of these guys before the destruction. It may have been a little bit later before he realized, or maybe they even told him. It, we don't have much about that. It just tells us they became pregnant by their father. Well, you know, maybe there seems to be some sexual sin it's a major problem if you look at Abraham and Hagar. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. What he's saying is when you see sexual sin in the Bible, especially dealing with the nation of Israel, there seems to be consequences uh, of Abraham and, and Hagar and Ishmael and now Lot and these offsprings that end up being trouble problems for Israel. So you're right. I mean, anytime things are violated, anytime God's word is violated, there are consequences. There really are. I was thinking that it was the Edomites it, but, but, and they're, they're different people, Edomites a little further south, they lived in the higher mountains and they made fun of Israel, and there was some offspring there was some connection with the Edomites in the same way of the ammonites, and that so you're right, and they scorned Israel a great deal. and when Israel was captured by enemy, they made fun, and God said, "Because you made fun of my people, there will be there will be consequences." yes, Hazel. And you have that written somewhere. Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) I'm playing with you. Yeah, they had to take something, didn't they? You probably... Yeah. Yeah, because they really... Of course, they knew they were going to a little town. They may have figured they could get something there if they did... Whatever they didn't get to take with them. Zor? Yeah, there were people living in Zor. Zor? That's a good point. We do not know how long Lot he said uh, she said, weren't there people living in Zor? Couldn't couldn't Lot have thought maybe his daughters went with some of the men in Zor and got pregnant. We don't know. We don't know. He didn't stay very long in Zor, all it says that he was afraid there. And it, also it doesn't say how long after God destroyed Solomon, that this happened. Doesn't tell us. Who knows? We just don't know. You're right. Yes, but probably one more or two more because it's getting close to time for wanna to be out and the kids will go crazy. No, okay, okay. <laughs> Adults, uh, but if they were engaged and hadn't been married yet, uh, you know, they, they may be 12, 13, 14 We don't know. The, you know, we tend to used to say that they're 14 or 15, but I think I read something the other day that between 16 and 17 is the age that they were married. They, they didn't uh, develop as quickly as we do now. And so about 13, 14, 15, as they were going to develop and be ready for marriage. And so some of the betrothals took place as early as 14 or 15. That's why we say Mary was very young. Most likely she could have been as young as 14 or 15 or 16 years old. You know. Is this the last time that Lot was mentioned? You know what? My mind's, I, I did not look it up. You might could look in a concordance to see if there's another reference of Lot. I didn't, I, I don't know. I, I've been reading through Genesis, but I cannot remember if he's mentioned again. In, in, in the book of Genesis. Okay, one more, one more. The the people of Jordan. Yes. The, isn't there some issue with the Golan Heights and the, the military? The Golan Heights is more in Lebanon and Syria, and Jordan is over on the other side of the of the river. But that whole region used to be called Transjordan. Most of you know that after World War II. You know, here's what's wrong. Here's what's wrong with everything. After World War II, the Axis powers, they, they divided up the nations and the countries. And they said, this is Jordan. This is Israel. This is the Palestinian region. This is going to be Syria and Lebanon. This, will be. That's what they did. And those people never had a lot. Nobody ever liked any of that. Just like now, people are all trying to say, let's divide. Let's have a Palestinian state. How are you going to divide that up? Whose land is it? It's Israel's. Yeah. So, yeah, there's all kind of issues, all kind of stuff. Okay, we better stop. Heavenly Father, what a great night. Thank you for our study. Help us as we continue to, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior. Lord, may we realize the influence the world can have on us. And we want to uh, make a difference for you. Help us to grow and uh, uh, not be, not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. By the renewing of our minds, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.